22nd, 2019, Joey Cleveland bringing us in here for another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, kind of go from, from Joey to the tangent, right, is the Dodgers because Joey came with me on Thursday to the Dodger game. Oh, we had some great seats. My dad had some surgery, so they uh, he had tickets to the game, wasn't able to go. So there were uh, it was a bag giveaway. These tote bags are pretty nice <laughs> that they had. So I went. Joey came with me. We were in uh, we were in row B. We had some awesome seats. It was a great time, and the Dodgers held on for a victory on Thursday. It was a little tight late, a little too close for comfort. And then the Dodgers came back for a win on Friday. So now that's four in a row. For the Dodgers, and they are 52 and 25. Talk a little bit about the Dodgers right now, a little bit about the Lakers. Then we'll move to on this day segment. Then, little best golf movies. We're going to get you a little tin cup deep dive. I love tin cup. Of all the golf movies, it's my favorite. I, it's going to be in the final four at least. We'll go through the bracket, see how things are shaping up. I hope it wins. I'm going to try to sell you on what a good movie it is, and maybe you will vote for tin cup moving forward. Horse racing for Santa Anita. It is closing day on Sunday, so we'll give you some selections. Uh, I think I have four different plays for you on Sunday throughout the card. A lot of people like to play at some of those mandatory payouts and and some of the uh, exotic pools. So give you my thoughts on the Sunday card. Just four different uh, opinions on Sunday at Santa Anita. Big Little Thoughts. Big Little Lies Recap Season 2, Episode 2. Thoughts and predictions moving forward. Close things out with some WWE thoughts on Stomping Grounds, the next pay-per-view on Sunday. So you can tell, based on my the show here, it's going to be a big day on Sunday when we have another episode of Big Little Lies, the WWE Stomping Grounds pay-per-view. And we're going to be playing some Santa Anita on the Sunday closing day card. So Dodgers, four in a row, 52-25. and 25. On Friday, it was a Matt Beattie walk-off home run. One of the weirder things that happens, I never can understand how in baseball, how can a player get thrown out from the dugout unless you know for sure who it was, unless that was the only player who said anything. If there were a bunch of people yelling, how can the umpire be so sure if it was someone's voice? And in particular, Justin Turner Someone who doesn't have a bad reputation, not known for yelling and screaming and being loud and really getting tossed out of games. Pretty level-headed guy. That's weird. So Justin Turner gets thrown out early in the game. The only things I'm thinking are how and WTF, right? Cody Bellinger, home run number 25. He hit 25 home runs last year. He is leading the way and the... It's it's between him and Yelich right now when you're talking about the MVP of the National League and really the best player in, in baseball as Cody just continues to hit 356 after a 1-for-4 evening, hitting that 25th jack of the night. Hitting that 25th jack of the season earlier on the night. Jock? We're seeing Jock Peterson play a little first base. It's like anything, the first few times you do it, it's a little goofy... Uh, it just it looks a little out of the ordinary because we're not used to seeing him over there. But Jock, if we can get his bat in the lineup as much as possible, 
I think that's a positive. So if, if playing first base is just going to get him a few more at bats here and there, that's good because you know when you have Jock's kind of power and he hits right-handed right-handed pitching so well. Tonight, I keep saying tonight, which you know I'm, I'm actually recording this very early on Saturday. June the 22nd, so it is kind of tonight It was just a little earlier in the evening when Bueller, Walker Bueller Struck out a career-high 16 batters With 9 innings Very rarely do you see anyone go a complete game anymore 9 innings, 3 hits 2 earned runs And 16 strikeouts The Earned runs were both Home runs, solo shots First Arenado and then Blackman Two excellent hitters, two hot hitters but what was really impressive to close out the uh, the, the ninth inning tie game two two. They let Bueller come back out for the ninth, ninety eight mile per hour fastball on pitch number one hundred two, strikeout number fourteen. Comes back with a curveball in the dirt for strikeout number fifteen, and then ninety seven mile per hour fastball to get Arenado. For a 16 strikeout with a runner on. Huge, huge game for Walker Bueller. And his ERA is now below three. He's down to 296. And he threw 111 pitches in this game to get those career high 16 strikeouts and no walks. 16 strikeouts did not walk a batter. Dominance from Bueller. Let's bounce around the rest of baseball uh, a little bit. Actually, before we do, a couple other things to mention about the Dodgers. Like to see Austin Barnes. He he didn't get hit tonight, but last night he got a couple hits. Got got to see him getting a little more production. Chris Taylor's been climbing the ladder a little bit. Max Muncy has been absolutely rolling. He's up to 284 now. And we we, we got to get a little more production from Kiki. He's one that's been really struggling after the, the first two weeks of the season. He was playing very well, and then uh, since then he's he struggled. The, the pop is there. But the consistency, you know, he's all the way down to just, you know, above 200. So hopefully the Dodgers can continue on and we'll, we'll see if the bullpen, which has been the weakness all year long, can they strengthen it? And, and really with the bullpen for the Dodgers, can the, the players just execute? I keep saying this over and over. When you look at the Dodgers bullpen and who they have in that pen, when you're comparing it to other teams, the Dodgers' bullpen should not be a problem. It really shouldn't. I mean, just starting with Kenley, Pedro Baez has become one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Last year and a half, he's been excellent. And then with the starting pitching depth, the fact that they were able to move Urias and Stripling into the bullpen, you have Floro, you spent a lot of money going to get Joe Kelly. Okay, so he hasn't been pitching very well. That's fine. But even with Kenley, with Baez, with Urias, with Stripling, with combinations of guys like Yimi Garcia and Floro and Ferguson, that should be enough. It really should. We'll see what happens, you know, as the last few years generally. Maeda goes to the bullpen towards the end of the year, into the playoffs, as he, he does a really good job coming out of the pen. But he can eat up a lot of innings throughout the year, and he's a very good starter. I mean, you look at Maeda. He has a 1.08 whip. Nine strikeouts per nine innings. His numbers are really good this year. Who else is hot? Around the around the baseball. Around the baseball. The MLB. 
that NL Central wide open division going to be really tough. Five teams separated by a total of six games in the loss column. The Cubs have a game and a half lead over the Brewers. The Cardinals are playing well. This is a key stretch for the Cardinals. They have another 12 to 15 games against very beatable teams. They have to go something like, you know, like eight and four or 10 and four or five in, in this next, you know, 12 to 15 games. The Reds playing some good ball. They're creeping up on 500, and Pitt has been kind of dropping a little bit. They had a good start to the season, but the issue with Pitt is their depth. Uh, pitching, they've got plenty of that, but they're, can they score enough runs to compete? And They just haven't been able to do so. In the National League East, quickly, after five-game losing streak from the Phillies and the Braves going 7-3 and three in their last 10, the Braves are now four and a half games up on the Phillies in the East. And they're only six and a half games up on the Nationals, who are actually playing some really good baseball. Washington's won five in a row, and they're just a game under 500. They're a team that many people wrote off just a few weeks ago. They, I thought they were going to get into the playoffs. I did not think Atlanta was going to be this good. And now the Washington Nationals are kind of back into contention with plenty of season left to go, at least to sneak in for a wild card contention. Over in the American League, the Astros have really been struggling. Some of the injuries have hurt them. They just got Altuve back. But even after losing six games in a row, they still have a seven and a half game lead on the Oakland A's, who've actually been playing very well. So the A's have won four games in a row at a great time because they were able to pick up a lot of ground on the Astros, who lost six in a row. So the A's have now kind of jumped into into the second place spot in the uh, AL West, the Astros, the A's, and then the Rangers there. Cleveland Indians quietly playing some good ball. They've had a good last uh, 10-12 games or so. And they're up to 40 and 35, so they're definitely in that contention for a wild card. And Boston keeps playing well now. A solid week, week and a half for Boston. They're only two games behind the Rays. And although they're seven games behind the Yankees still in the division as the Yankees have won seven in a row, Boston just can't really make up a lot of ground on the Yankees. So there's going to be a lot of, it looks like we're really starting to get in the American League, who's going to be hanging around now. Looks like the Yankees, you know, they're going to be tough to catch in the AL East. The Twins are going to be really tough to catch. They've got a nine game lead on the Indians and the Astros are going to be really tough to catch with their seven and a half game lead. So this wild card where you're going to have the Rays, the Red Sox, the Indians, the White Sox are trying to get into the mix, and then the the A's and the Rangers. A lot of teams battling for those couple wildcard spots in the American League East. Shift the focus a little bit over to the Lakers, who drafted Talon Horton Tucker. 46th overall in the NBA draft. Lakers did not have a pick, but they purchased this pick from Orlando for a 2020 second round pick and some cash. 6'4", 240 pound swingman with a 7'1 reach. He played at Iowa State, averaged just under 12 points, just under 5 rebounds, 2.3 assists, over a steal, and uh, almost a block in 27.2 minutes per game. Everything, and I'm not going to pretend like I know, I've seen him play a few games, I don't know him very well, I don't know anything in depth about him, 
but every one that I follow that does that was an NF, uh, NBA draft expert or someone who who gives scouting reports on all these players and who had followed these players all throughout the season, they're very high on him and they're very high on his upside as someone who can play defense, can guard multiple positions, and the comps for him are are good. The the one that keeps coming up is Draymond Green. It's obviously the best, right? Not everyone's going to be a Draymond Green, but in the sense of he's that type of player, he is a good ball handler, he's a good playmaker, and he's big. He's very, very thick. Some of the things he discussed. He said he likes to keep it versatile. He wants to be able to do many different things. He is also a clutch sports client, so he has the connection with LeBron, with Anthony Davis. He wants to keep improving every day. To be honest, as a Laker fan right now, there have been a lot of negatives over the last couple years, and anytime something happens, if it's not great, the Lakers are going to get a lot of negative feedback for it. I've not seen much negative feedback at all. This is a player who was very highly regarded and highly projected to be like an end of the first round, early second round pick. So the fact that they were able to get him in the middle, like the back half of the second round was good for the, very good for the Lakers. And hopefully whatever they end up doing with him, if he, you know, has to come in and play, or if this is a something that they have to use as an asset moving forward, um, I, I think he is a good fit and I'd like to see him get on the court and get some, uh, get some run. He could be a great guy at the end of the bench. You just want guys that have good effort, that hustle, it seems like a player who wants to really work hard and I, and the defense kept coming up repeatedly. I love the fact that he he wants to play defense and he likes you know he he likes guys that do a lot of things. He said Draymond Green and he said he's trying to always take away little things from players to add to his game. So now what does the Lakers roster look like? LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kuzma, Bonga, Mo Wagner, Jamario Jones, who the Lakers are trying to see if they can get rid of those contracts and the players and cre- create a little more space in the cap to either bring in a max player or just to add a couple more veterans. If not, hey, I, I think Lil Wagner is going to be a fine player in this league. He's a big who can stretch, who can shoot. He try, he cares. He battles. He really, as a big man, he tries hard. He has a passion. That's I like Mo. Jamario Jones is a hustle player. Isaac Bonga is more of a project, but he's shown some flashes. These these are players who could be players a few years down the road. They're just not on the timeline right now with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, and the Lakers who have to win right now. So, who comes next? Is it a Max? Is it a, a bunch of other veterans? We're going to find out in a week. Just uh, the, the 30th, we'll start to find out between that... You know, June 30th and July 6th, there's going to be a lot of things happening in the NBA. On this day, June 22nd, we'll just do a quick one. Henry Hudson was set adrift on the Hudson Bay by mutineers on his ship. He was never seen again after that, 1611. 1937, Joe Lewis knocks out James Braddock, the first heavyweight title for Joe Lewis, and it was a big moment in history for Joe Lewis and just a big moment in, in history. 1963, Little Stevie Wonder at age 13 released his first single, Fingertips. It was the first live non-studio recording to go to number one on the Billboard charts. 
1977, The Rescuers was released by Disney. You know, Bernard and Miss Bianca. I love The Rescuers. It was actually the first Disney animated film to get a sequel. The Rescuers Down Under. I've got all the old Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under, all the old Disney animateds all in the uh, in the VHSs still in their big VHS cases. Probably up until like the late 90s. Anything before that, I have mo- you know, probably 30, 40 good amount of them. 1981, John McEnroe, the You Can't Be Serious. You cannot be serious. The rant that was on this day, 1981. Tom Seaver retires from baseball, 1987. Adam Sandler joins Saturday Night Live in 1990. That is on this day, June the 22nd. If you are interested in anything to do with real estate, anything at all, make sure to get to cindycrava.com and check out one of my sponsors, because one of the most stressful events in life is moving. You know, everything that goes into it, process of relocating, so many different factors that you have to worry about. So Cindy Carava will make your life easier. She's a new sponsor of That's What G Said. The name might sound familiar. She's the wife of horse racing trainer Jack Carava. He's been a mainstay on the Southern California racing circuit for the last 30 years. Cindy Carava is a full-service realtor. She can help you in many different ways. Selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors, and handyman, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she's personally used in her own home. She can help you with getting pre-approved for a home loan. Cindy can connect you to lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend. Covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. So, you know, all around Santa Anita Racetrack, all around Del Mar down in San Diego. If you're just curious to see how much your home is worth, she will even do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find Cindy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. Or the easiest way, cindycrava.com. You can find all of her contact information there. That's C-A-R-A-V-A. I've known her personally for almost a decade. She is one of the most honest and genuine people I have ever met. The exact type of person you can trust with any of your real estate needs. Get to cindycarava.com right now. Movies is the current best sport movie week topic we're discussing. We've gone through best basketball movies, best horse racing movies, best hockey movies, and many other sports still to come. Soccer, baseball, football, wrestling, boxing, tennis, track and field, Olympics, poker, gambling. We'll figure out ways to get some of the the sports that might not have as big of of, a selection of movies into maybe into some groups or just smaller little brackets. But... For now, in the golf bracket, we began with 16, and now 8, and now it looks like from 8 to the final 4, there's still plenty of time in the, in the, in the wagering, in the wagering, <laughs> plenty of time in the wagering, you know what a sick, degenerate gambler I am, because I always, anything I always re- relate to, it, gambling, wagering, that always comes up, there's still plenty of time left in the voting. There's still 15 hours left in the polls that I put up, but I can't imagine any of these polls are going to be shifted enough to where Caddyshack is beating Stroke of Genius in the Elite Eight 98% to 2. 98% to 2. 
couple people gave Ka- uh, gave Stroke of Genius a shot, but Caddyshack, the number one seed, very likely moving into the final four. Happy Gilmore. I thought this one was going to be a little closer between Happy Gilmore and the greatest game ever played with Shia LeBeau. I really like the greatest game ever played. Happy Gilmore is an obvious classic. They were the four, five seeds, and Happy Gilmore, the four seed, absolutely dominating the five seed and looking to move on to face Caddyshack. So it could be a the two big comedies, Happy Gilmore and Caddyshack, lining up in a semifinal. And then on the other side of the bracket, the number two seed, Tin Cup, has been rolling right along. 96% right now to 4% for Who's Your Caddy. So it was Tin Cup versus Who's Your Caddy in the Elite Eight. And in the other Elite Eight matchup, it was the Caddy versus the Legend of Bagger Vance. Another one I thought was going to be a little closer. This was a 3-6 matchup. But the Caddy, no match. For the number three seed, the legend of Bagger Vance. So it'll likely be in the final four. Caddyshack versus Happy Gilmore and Tin Cup versus the legend of Bagger Vance. Get on over to Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter at It's Me Gino B, you can vote in all the polls, as I mentioned, each week. It just takes you one second. All you do is click vote. And if you if you see them up there and, and if you haven't seen the movie, or maybe you one of your friends loves Baseball, basketball, football movies Or certain movies in particular Share it with them The more votes we get the better I always love when people comment on them I'd love to uh, to read through any of your comments at all uh, A couple people Really everyone knew that Caddyshack was going to be tough Bobby, poker lover, mentioning Yeah, no no upsets in this round It's been a very chalky Sweet six or It's been a very chalky Elite Eight Pony chick Says Caddyshack winning this in a walkover. So, likely the final four. Caddyshack, Happy Gilmore, Legend of Bagger Vance, and Tin Cup. But I'm going to sell you on Tin Cup. And this is what I want you to do to go over and vote on Tin Cup. This is going to be a Tin Cup deep dive. So we're going to spend a few minutes talking on the movie Tin Cup and why I love this movie so much. It is one of my favorite movies. Not only just a golf movie, it is one of my favorite movies, period. It's one of those movies that anytime it's on, I'm I'm gonna stop and watch it no matter where, from the beginning, middle, and always pick it up. And what I really love about this movie is it's just not one of those movies with the complete Hollywood ending where everything goes right at the end and uh, the player or the team wins and everyone's happy. It's a hap- it people are happy at the end, but it's not a perfect ending. The better way to put it The story of Tin Cup is about Golf driving range pro Roy McAvoy Played by Kevin Costner So the The cast Of Tin Cup It's a good cast And they do a really good job In particular the The few main characters Kevin Costner Kevin Costner Kevin Costner Is Roy McAvoy A.K.A. Tin Cup Renee Russo is Dr. Molly Griswold Don Johnson He's David Sims, who is just the the real jackass golfer who hates dogs, children, and old people. We find that out multiple times. And then Cheech is Romeo. He's Kevin Costner's caddy. Those four in particular do just such a great, great job. It's all about... Uh, a small town in Texas, golf driving range pro Roy McAvoy. He owns a, a little driving range and he gives golf lessons to people. He's been 
a, he's a good golfer. He's been uh, he was a golfer in college, and he has a very good game. He plays all the time. He just is a little bit of a hothead. He's got a big ego. He's a gambler. He just doesn't really quite have his life altogether. He has fun though. He enjoys living. We, this, this, the movie actually opens up with bug betting. Yes, bug betting. Romeo Cheech Marin is leading the group of friends, wagering on which bug will be zapped first by the bug zapper. Then we see Doctor Griswold come in. She has a lesson. She answers a riddle that Kevin Costner, uh, Roy, had po- uh, posed to his friends. And so Roy's giving Doctor Griswold a golf lesson now, and he is just. He's a great schmoozer. You gotta give it up to him. His lines are corny and just totally... They're very poetic, but they're great. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. He just... He needs a little help putting it all together. He mentions golf is about inner demons, self-doubt, human frailty, and overcoming that shit. Well, yeah, we will have a maybe a few cuss words here and there, just kind of quoting, and maybe the uh, the tone will be... Just a little bit more PG-13 to R-rated when we have to cover something like this or Game of Thrones, where we did. He goes through, what is the golf swing by Roy McAvoy? And, uh, you know, he's giving the Dr. Griswold, Renee Russo, a lesson. And she walks in with all of these different contraptions on her all over, she spent tons of money on these different things she could bought on TV, tried to help her golf swing. And so she asks the tin cup, and he says he just loves this. What is the golf swing by Roy McAvoy? Well, I tend to think of the golf swing as a poem. And his buddies are watching him, and they know he, they've seen him do this shtick over and over again. The critical opening phrase of this poem will always be the grip. The hands unite to form a single unit by the simple overlap of the finger. Lowly and slowly, the club head is led back, pulled into position, not by the hands, but by the body, which turns away from the target, shifting weight to the right side without shifting balance. Tempo is everything, perfection unattainable. As the body coils down to the top of the swing, there's a slight hesitation, a nod to the gods. Yeah, a nod to the gods, that he is fallible, that perfection is unattainable. And now that the weight begins shifting back to the left, pulled by the powers inside the earth, it's alive, this swing. A living sculpture down through contact, always down, striking the ball crisply with character. A tuning fork goes off in your loins. Such a pure feeling is the well-struck golf shot. And then the follow-through to the finish, always online. The reverse C of the Golden Bear. The Steelworker's Power and Braun of Carl Sandburg's Arnold Palmer. And the unfinished symphony of Roy McAvoy. Great little uh, little poem. He's talking about what is the golf swing. He even finishes it off. Some say that's the easiest way to play in the winds of Texas. Some say because I never finish anything in my life. You can decide. But the point is every finishing position is unique. That's what the golf swing's about. Gaining control of your life and letting go at the same time. Or it's grip it and rip it. Or, or just grip it and rip it. He's smart. We're then introduced to David Sims, Don Johnson, that snossage who hates old people, children, and dogs. He's a PGA Tour pro. He's one of the best on the tour. He's in town to play in his own charity event that he hosts. And he knows Tin Cup. He has a relationship. They played together in college, but they've been rivals, buddies that don't like each other. And Sims likes rubbing it in, the fact that Roy 
is very good, but Roy always blows up, always has a temper. He uh, he never seemed to finish anything through. But because Sims knows that Roy is a very good golfer, he knows this Texas area well, he knows all the courses, he wants McAvoy to come and help him at his tournament, he wants to win his own tournament, and he asks him to be his caddy. Roy agrees, and... He goes on to be his his caddy, and uh, he's he's fine. Everything's going well, and David has the lead at the tournament. And then on the 16th hole, instead of going for a shot, David decides to lay up, and it kind of pisses Roy off. And he ends up taking a bet to try to hit the shot himself. It's really funny. 240 yards, a national TV audience, and a huge gallery, and he hasn't hit a golf ball. And Roy Tin Cup McAvoy comes up and just nails a shot that Sims uh, fires him for. It is one of those things where if this that was real, that would just have been a great social media moment, right? In the middle of a golf tournament, comes up, hits the shot. And then after, he goes and gets the, the golf clubs out of Sims' bags and starts pouring them out and breaking them and throwing them all over. Just makes a huge scene. He talks about so many good quotes. Yeah, that's what I was finding when I watched this movie a couple times and, and like taking the, the notes that I love it. I, I forgot how many really good quotes there are. And he, there's a moment when he's talking with Romeo and he says uh, about what he did and, and how he made the scene and said, I, I hit it again because that shot was the defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment or the moment defines you. I did not shrink from the challenge. I rose to it. If I had to do it all over again, I'd still hit that shot. I love that. Defining moment. You let the moment, you define the moment or the moment defines you. Roy then fig- finds out that Molly is dating David Sims, Dr. Griswold, who he is now, has a big crush on. So uh, Roy figures out that he wants to win the Open to try to impress her. And you think this isn't like you or I saying, "Oh, I'm gonna go win the Open." This is a legitimate golfer who's been on low-level tours, who's been a college golfer, and who who could play with some of the best golfers in the world over a couple days. So it's not like crazy for him to do it. First of all, he his mental weakness is ego. He doesn't even have his golf clubs anymore because he had to go sell them. He. Pays he plays somebody for for four hundred bucks with a bag of tools. He bets him playing golf with, with a baseball bat, a shovel, and a rake. It's great. He wins. He gets his clubs back. He goes to see Doctor Griswold to ask some advice about a woman. She's a shrink, so he wants to ask her advice about a woman. Her. He's going to ask her advice about her. <laughs> Romeo says to him. You can't ask advice about the woman you're trying to hose from the woman you're trying to hose. Thought that was a, a funny one. Romeo also has another great line early, earlier. He says, uh, where is it? He says, look, boss, I only got one rule, and that's never bet the money that you don't have on a dog race with an ex-girlfriend who happens to be a stripper. <laughs> Good stuff from Romeo, from Cheech. So we're to the point where he's now told Dr. Griswold I, that he loves her. She told him. She said, go for it. If you, if you feel this way about someone, go for it. Tell the woman how you feel. Maybe she'll feel the same way. 
He tells her she freaks out. She's not expecting it. But you can tell she's starting to become, you know, more and more smitten with him. She's attracted to him. She likes the fact that he just tells her exactly how he feels and what he wants. After kind of shooting him down and rejecting him, she comes and apologizes. She mentions she's a bad shrink. She's kind of a mess. I forgot that she's a mess. You always, I always remember her as being so kind of up and up, kind of like a prissy type character, but it's really not at all how she is. She doesn't have it all together. She mentions her past escapades with guys and she's been all over the place. And she offers to help Roy with the mental parts of his game in a trade for golf lessons. They have obvious chemistry. It's great. Next up, it's the first qualifier for the U.S. Open. Dr. Griswold's there. She's becoming more and more attracted to him. There's a big blow-up with Romeo where Roy disagrees on a shot. He wants to go for it. Romeo wants him to play it a little more safe. He break Romeo takes out the driver, breaks it. And then Romeo breaks the three-wood. And then McAvoy, tin cup, breaks every other club except for the seven. Says the uh, after finishing, getting through the qualifier, qualifying for the sectionals, his friend says the word normal and him don't often run in the same sentence. He's celebrating after the win, talking about how he finished the back nine. <laughs> he finished the back nine with the uh, with the with the seven, and the the, the thing is they ask. Why? Part the back nine with a seven iron. Why? Because he broke his other clubs, snapped them in two. Well, not all of them. Romeo broke two. <laughs> so Sims walks up, and like always, Sims is trying to find a way to get the better of, of Roy. And so they, they make a bet. Roy's glowing. He's, he's loving it. He just finished part the back nine with the seven iron. And so he says to, to Sims, any bet you want right now, let's do it. Sims says, okay. One swing, long ball. Roy hits it, clean. He says he hits it 227. Sims turns around, he hits the ball down the street. Ball rolls and rolls for a thousand yards. Loses the bet, loses his car. Sims is loving it, drives off in the car. Next up, it's qualifying for the open with Earl trying to caddy for him. Still in a fight with Romeo. Save me from those double bogey blues. Qualifies after having to carry his bag half half the way, um, and and he goes back now to apologize to Romeo, and he tells Romeo, "I'm sorry, you know, and I will uh, I will be your Juliet." And they make up, and they start preparing for the U.S. Open, and he's got the shanks, little chili dipper. His swing is off. He can't hit anything. He tells the doctor that he's got the shanks, and she says, are you taking penicillin? Not those shanks. He says, I don't want therapy. I want you. And he takes Dr. Griswold to a nice spot, kind of his spot by the river. He makes his move, and she turns him down. So he goes off to the open. He's thinking about her. He's got the shanks. He's in the... The practice warm-ups at the driving range. He's shanking all over. It's embarrassing. He's getting laughed at by Sims and all the, the golfers. That's what's great about this movie. Legitimate, real golfers. You see a ton of them. Uh, commentators, Jim Nance. He, he, you hear the voice of Jim Nance throughout, which makes it seem even more legitimate. 
tons of, uh, of, of top, top golfers. So first round of the U S open, he's there. He almost, he gets over the shanks in his, in his warmups, but Romeo decides that he plays better when he's drunk. So they decided to get him just canned drunk for the opening round of the U S open. They show up late. He's barely makes tea time and he shoots an 83. It's absolutely Romeo's fault. He takes the blame for it. Sim shoots a leading 67. They're all in the bar and uh, the tin cup is sulking. And Dr. Griswold's trying to pump him up. She just sees David turn down a kid asking for an autograph with his grandparents talking trash to the dog. There it is. Hates kids, old people, and dogs. And she puts forth a bar bet where Roy gets up in the middle of the bar, knocks a shot out through the bar across the pond and knocks a pelican off his perch. She makes some money. She's done with Sims. And then, boom, her and Roy now are together. They have an evening together. And the next day, Roy shoots the single season, US, a single round U.S. Open record of a 62. And after. They go out to celebrate. Where are they going? Someplace fancy? No, the Waffle House, of course. Gotta go to the Waffle House. Next day, third day in a row. His play is good now for the second day in a row, but it's the third day in a row he tries to hit the green on 18 and he gets it right in the water. But still in contention right there and paired up on the final day with Sims, of course. He has a bad shot to start that final day. His first couple of shots shanks them. Then he hits a shot off the porta potty, which is just great. One of the commentators, off a water closet or a Louvre. He's on 18. He has the chance to win with a birdie and a par to tie. And he's in that same shot again where he's tried to go over the water and get it on the green instead of laying up. He hits the shot, gets it on the green, ball rolls into the water. This whole time it's great that producers are just hating on him. They don't want him to win at all. We don't know who this guy is. We don't want to talk about him. We don't want to see him. It was the little gust from the gods that cost him and the ball rolls into the water and that's when he implodes. Still with the chance to win, he just blows up. He will not move. He will not take the drop closer. He will not leave that spot until he hits the shot from there. He has to prove a point all the way down until he's playing He has the last ball. If he does not finish the round with that ball, he will be disqualified. He ends up hitting a 12. When he makes it, finally the shot goes in. But there's no Hollywood ending, right? I mean, he gets the girl. He doesn't win, though. But everyone's happy for him. So I guess, you know, Hollywood ending in some cases. But that's the writer of Tin Cup. Same as Bull Durham. White men can't jump. Blue chips play to the bone. Very good good movies, but that don't always have the Hollywood expected happy ending. Positive endings, but not, in in some of them, but not always just that happy, happy ending. I want a Tin Cup 2. I mean, not really. I mean, the remakes are never as good, but I'd love to to see what Roy McAvoy would be up to 25 uh, years later. The the thing that I related with a lot to him, he's trying to win the open to get the girl. And then once he gets the girl, the pressure in the open is off. And that's why he just starts playing really good golf. It reminded me of 
when I was working at Islands and I was a waiter and I would work the night shifts a lot on the weekends, I would go to the racetrack in the day, I'd I'd bet, and then I'd go to work. And a lot of times there'd be a wager or two I'd still have going on. I'd go back to work and I'd look at the results and see what happened. And any time that I had a really good day and I made money at the track, those were like the best days and the most money I'd ever make working my shifts at night because you're you just don't really care. I wasn't worried about the extra few bucks from every table. And because you're not stressing, you just have this great energy that everybody picks up. And it's like you, the pressure is just not on anymore because the whole point of what you needed, the money, you got some of the money. And I felt that when I saw Roy, the tin cup. I love the Bull Durham throwback. There was a quote at one point. Said he was the catcher. Why is he named Tin Cup? He was the catcher on the high school baseball team. The star pitcher had a big league curve, but not all the pitches hit him in the mitt. A little Bull Durham throwback there. It's a good gambling movie, too. It's always best to go for it, right? Kevin Costner, one of, if not the best a- ever actor for sports movies. We're going to see him come up huge in baseball whenever uh, we decide to do baseball one of these next few weeks. He will have a big say. It's going to be Costner against Costner against Costner. In a lot of the uh, the baseball movies, let's see any other uh, any other fun quotes there. Make sure to check it out. You can rent it for really really cheap. It's awesome. He, uh, so you know, I'm a low percentage guy. Look what I'm wearing. I'm playing for Rio Grande Short Haul Trucking, Briggs and Brown Sanitation, First State Bank of Salome, Woody's Smokehouse. You think a guy like me bothers to worry about the percentages? That's another uh, another good quote. Um, any others that I loved? Well, go check it out, and you let me know which parts of Tin Cup you like the most. Thanks for hanging out on that Tin Cup deep dive. Let's jump right into some Santa Anita for Sunday. So, for, you know, honestly, I didn't play a whole lot of Santa Anita this year. The fields were a lot shorter. There's just been a lot going on, but it's closing day there. I know a lot of people look on the closing day cards. Do you get involved in some of the, the exotic wagers? And I, I did find a couple races where there were some horses that I like. So I'm not going to go through every horse in every race like I do with the Breeders' Cup and Derby and Preakness and Belmont and the, the deep dive cards, but I just want to give you the four horses that I like. The first race, the eighth race, the ninth race, and the tenth race. Let's talk about the first race. And we're going to go to the three Hot on the trail. Now, hot on the trail, this is a five furlong turf sprint. And if you look at hot on the trail, she has been on the grass three times. First time on the grass, she was down the hill back in January. She had a brutal start. She was way out of it. Took a while for her to to get going and to get into stride, but she closed very well for third. Came back on February the 18th. A slow start again. And she was going to bumped around. And steady going into the turn at the back of the pack on the inside. Never really in a great spot. And she didn't run poorly behind a next out winner. Came back on April the 13th. Slow start again was two from the back in the two path. And the race just did not set up well for her. They went too slow early. And it was just not... She was chasing a couple horses that were a little bit better. They were shorter priced in there. They were fit a little bit better. And that has been a productive race since. The slow starts I don't love, but what I do like most recently on May the 18th on the dirt going six and a half furlongs, the blinkers go on and a much better start with the blinkers within a length 
was in a tough spot in between horses, but did win the battle for third. I think she will just be able to sit a little closer. She's going to have punch. And look at the way this race shapes up. I think from the inside, Miss Bennett will be forced a little bit from the rail. Interesting times is going to show speed. You're going to get speed from Queen of the Track. You're going to get speed from Naughty Tiger. You're going to get speed from Anonymously. And you're going to get speed from Portal Creek. I think the three is the horse to bet. The two is going to be pretty tough in here too. Should also get a great trip. I wouldn't really talk you off of Miss Flawless. But I think hot on the trail. Anything over seven to two. A nice win wager on the three. Hot on the trail in the opener at Santa Anita on the 23rd on Sunday. Let's get to race number eight. And I'm going to go to the rail horse in the eighth. This is the San Juan Capistrano. Going a mile and three quarters. Let's go to Mongolian Groom. If you look, he will add the blinkers today. The only time he's been on the grass twice. First time on the grass, that was his maiden breaking score. And he actually showed a lot more speed than what I'm expecting from him. Next time on the grass, it was at the it was in July, middle of July. We don't see him for a few months. I think it's a very easy race to put a line through to give him an excuse. Recently, look at who he's been facing on the dirt. So I know that he has ability on the turf, just based on what I've seen in a couple starts from him. And look at the company he's been fa- been facing and company he's been keeping on the dirt as of late. Vino Rosso, McKinsey, and Giftbox. You see in some of the running lines. Any of the the horses in the last few, even the horses at Charlestown, running to love you, Diamond King War Story, they would be very tough in here. They'd be logical. This is not a strong spot. So I think Mongolian Groom, anything over five to two, if you're looking for a play in some of the late exotics. The other horses cause for commotion. And she just faced too tough of a group last time out. She was very consistent prior to that. But, you know, she was 15-1 to 1 and she ran into Basilica and Rimska and, and Tougher. Oscar Dominguez makes sense in here. They're just no monsters. I think with the blinkers on, getting back to the grass, coming out of some races where he faced horses that are a lot better than the horses that would be in this spot. Mongolian Groom. Anything over 5-2 to two in the 8th race at Santa Anita on Sunday. Ninth race. The number 5 is the play in here. K.D. Trey. When I look at this race on paper, it seems like the Bafferts will take all the money, right? You have to think Bowl of Soul and Durlu. I keep on <laughs> Bowl of Soup. I want to call it Bowl of Soup. Then I was looking at Bowling for Soup, and then I was singing, He's the girl all the bad guys want. And she's the girl all the bad guys want. So the rail concerns me with Bowl of Soul. The fact that both of the Bafferts have a little bit of speed worries me because Durlu, I, I don't think, will be too far out of it. I like the five. So KD Trey has been on the dirt three times a winner, a second, and a second. All those races were at a mile, now cutting back to seven furlongs and gets a little bit of bottom. What I mean by that is she puts some. Two starts together. She raced on April the 7th, then like six weeks off, then came back on May the 31st. Now she's only had a few weeks off. She should be a little more fit, have a fitness level that's a little higher. 
And what she proved in her last two starts when she was second at this level is that she's the measuring stick for the level. She belongs here. And in a race like this where the one and the seven, Bowl of Soul and Drelu will probably take money, she could even float up a little bit. If she's anything over seven to two, I think she's worthy of a win wager. Now, I don't think she needs the lead either. Her last two races, she drew the inside, and when you draw the rail, you're kind of forced, right? She was a step slow from the rail, then she shot through, she got the lead, she opened up a half length, and she was just a clear second that day. She was second best, she was six plus lengths clear of the third place finisher. I think she might be able to sit a little bit off Bowl of Soul, and if the Baffords don't go at each other, or if they even if they do, maybe she gets the trip right behind them. If not, maybe she can get the jump. I like KD. Trey here at anything over, you know, seven to two wouldn't want to take less than three to one, though. The tenth and final race of the meet at Santa Anita will be on Sunday, and we'll not have to go far to find the horse we like there. That's the one, Miss Bigley. She's never run a bad race in her four career starts. She's come actually out of some pretty decent races. Went to the bench in October, so she. Raced in September and October as a two-year-old. Came back as a three-year-old in May. And her first start off the bench was very good. She was a nice third that day. Most recently was the race that I think she has an excuse for. You'd expect her to improve a little bit second start off the bench. She sat a close-up fourth. She was in the two-path. Then she was back maybe about four length. She loomed up three deep. But she was chasing lone speed and a 50-1 to long shot winner who wired the field. Sometimes when a horse can slow things down a little bit or can get out front and get comfortable, it's just a horse you can never run down. She did take a shot, what I like. She was a little wide. I think she had some excuses there. If she is 4-1, to I think she's worthy of a play. And she is 8-1 to on the morning line. I think that's probably higher than what she will be. She seems more like a 4-1 to shot. Should save all the ground from the inside. For the brother DeSormo, third start off the long layoff. I'm expecting the best effort today from Miss on Sunday from Miss Bigley. So the one will be the play there in race number 10 at Santa Anita. So the four plays on Sunday, the 23rd, the first race, the number three, hot on the trail. Eighth race, the number one, Mongolian groom. Ninth race, the number five, Katie Trey. Tenth race, the number one. Miss Bigley, good luck in your wagers this weekend. And if you have not heard of Stable Duel, or maybe you have heard of Stable Duel, but you're you're not sure, you didn't get involved, you've just seen some stuff on social media, what is Stable Duel? It is a fantasy horse racing game. If you've ever played DraftKings or FanDuel, it's almost identical to that, but it's a horse racing base type thing. The, the, The game plan... The strategy is similar. You have a salary cap and you have a selected number of horses that you have to use to fill your roster. And you pick horses all throughout the day. There was a contest a couple weeks back on Belmont weekend, a free contest, and they gave out prizes to the top 20 finishers in a free contest. Well, they're back. The next competition for Stable Duel is here. They are turning up the heat with the $10,000 Stable Duel Summer Series. The first game kicks off Friday, June the 28th. Compete in as many contests as you can between Friday, June 28th and the Traverse Stakes on August the 24th. 
and build up your points, climb up the leaderboard, and get your piece of the $10,000 prize pool. It is free to play, and there are payouts to the top 50. First prize, $3,500. Second prize, $1,000. Third prize, $750. Fourth prize, $500. Bucks. Five through 10 each get $300. 11% through 20th pick up $100. Bucks. 21st through 30th get $75. 31st through 40th get $50. And even if you finish 50th, you get 25 bucks. It's a free contest. You can get involved in all of the different contests for free. And if you are one of the top 50 finishers, you will get paid out and you're going to have a lot of fun doing it, climbing up the leaderboard, battling your friends. The $10,000 Summer Series for Stable Duel. Get to StableDuel.com and it'll give you the link to click, download the app on your iOS device. You create an account, you name your stable. And then you start picking your horses and duel. StableDuel.com Time for some big little thoughts. Ah, I just... ah, I am just such a huge fan of Big Little Lies. I mean, I think it's obvious because we're talking about the show over and over again. Each week we're going to talk about it. But I absolutely love Big Little Lies. And you know what? I'm not the only one. It is 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not an easy site to get great, huge percentages like that. So everybody's a big fan of the big little lies. So what happened? Season two, episode two, where do we pick things up? We see Celeste. She dozes off at the wheel right off the bat. And she runs into a tree. She took some Ambien the night before. She's still struggling with the death of her her husband, a husband that she had a very controversial relationship with, a husband who beat her, who was a bad person, who raped her friend Jane. We see Bonnie randomly walking on the side of the road. She is not doing well. She does not look good. Her complexion's not great. She just she looks off. Renata, we see her celebrating her cover. Of the magazine, but right as she's about to celebrate, her husband Gordon gets arrested. And another awesome Madeline Mary Louise interaction between Reese Witherspoon and Meryl Streep. Now it's Jane's turn, and she gets asked out on a date by her co worker. She tells him he's a little strange, but she does seem interested in him. Bonnie, when driving with her daughter, has a talk, and her daughter notices that something's wrong with her mom. She asks her mom, Who are you mad at? And she can tell Bonnie's struggling ever since she. Was the one who did this She pushed Perry She killed him She did it for the right reasons he, She saved her friend But she did this And she's having a tough time With the lie She even mentions later on That the lie It's gonna get us It's going to get us all The lie She's having a tough time with it We see Celeste at the shrink's office She still loves Perry And this happens a lot Right in any kind of in any relationship, a lot of times when you break up with someone, you think about all of the positive stuff. Even if there was a lot of negative, you still think of the positive stuff and you can't help it. And that's what's happening with Celeste a little bit. She loves, she still loves him. She's still thinking positively about him. But her therapist asks her to try an exercise. And this exercise actually works very well to ask her to relive a bad moment that they had when he was assaulting her and to Substitute one of her friends Her best friend Madeline And picture that he was instead Attacking Madeline And it takes her out of 
it a little bit, backs her up a little outside the box, and she actually sees what the therapist is talking about, and she realizes, you know, he was a monster. Renata visits her husband in jail. He tells her that he is guilty and that all of their money will be gone, and Renata says, I'm not gonna not be rich. I will not not be rich. Bonnie's mom then shows up. Bonnie's husband, Nathan, called her and asked her to come. She's definitely quite a handful. Renata... At one point mentions a struggling childhood Which I, I think I'm, it was a foreshadowing And I'm hoping we get to see it a little bit more She talks about how she doesn't want to go back To the, the life that she had to, to Kind of crawl out of And she mentions that the detective Was there when her husband was arrested So she's starting to notice that the detective Maybe Maybe on to their secret Maybe knows that they're hiding something Celeste's kids Mention in their class and I quote, their dead father. And you could tell that the kids are, everyone's having trouble with this in their own different ways. The women are kind of having trouble covering up the lie. The, you know, Mary Louise is having trouble getting over her son's death. Even for Celeste, she's having trouble getting over her husband's death. Even though he was a bad guy, the kids are having trouble getting over their father's death. It's a lot. And there's a moment in the car with, Celeste and her kids where they say you know, She likes to pretend like everything is okay They're obviously troubled with everything That's going on Mary Louise, Meryl Streep decided that she's going to rent An apartment nearby to help them out She does not like Madeline and she knows That Celeste is an enigma The boys have a little scuffle In the backyard and one of the boys Tells his mom Celeste to F off She does not react well She screams and she pushes him down And she says no you will not be Like him and Mary Louise sees and she obviously knows that he's, she's talking about her son. Bonnie and her mom have some interactions throughout where you know her mom's trying to figure out what's wrong with Bonnie, but she is not she, yeah, she's not the nicest and not the sweetest and she is very uh, rude and, and intrusive. There's another fun interaction with Ed and Nathan where a fight is threatened. It's always great with those two. Gordon and Renata are in court He is charged with security fraud Mail fraud and wire fraud A very awkward dinner with Nathan Is next with Nathan, Bonnie And and Bonnie's parents Where Bonnie's mom calls Nathan Ill-equipped to connect with His wife And oblivious That upsets Bonnie so much that she walks out We then get back to Celeste And she's thinking back to her First date with Perry and she keeps having visions of that first date She then finds out That the boys know that uh, That Their father had a kid in their class Ziggy, one of their friends is actually A brother of theirs Madeline's daughter Overheard Madeline talking on the phone And she told everyone Who Ziggy's dad is So Chloe told everyone Now all the kids know Ziggy thinks his mom got salted He doesn't understand that it was assaulted That she had heard So Jane asked to tell her, her kid When second grade About assault and rape And Ed, Adam Scott Madeline's husband He's mad Because Madeline's lying to him all the time She just keeps everything from him She hadn't told him anything about Perry and Ziggy Mary Louise finds out She doesn't believe that Perry could do anything bad 
She doesn't think he's capable of doing anything. Celeste has to let him know that they did not have the most squeaky clean relationship. She starts finding more and more out about Celeste in the night of Perry's death. And she is very accusatory. Meryl Streep is just so great, right? She just steals so many of these scenes. Bonnie's mom then brings a crystal into Bonnie and Nathan's room while they're asleep. It's a little creepy. Jane is next. And Jane tells Celeste that she told Ziggy about the rape and the assault. And they had promised before that they were not going to tell the boys anything violent about it. But she had to now that he knows what he thought it was salt and it's just a tough situation to be in with the kids like that when you have to tell them something that's so heavy. We see Madeline and Bonnie interact again, and this is when you know Bonnie mentions that the lie is going to get all of them. Renata and Gordon in the car, and Renata just snaps. Gordon mentions that he wanted a Gulf Stream, that's why he he did this. She makes him get out of the car on the side of the road, but she makes a U-turn, comes back, and picks him up as. As she's starting to freak out and realize that she's about to lose all of her money. Madeline's talking with her daughter Abigail about college. And Abigail, you know, is always very mean to her mom and trying to rub things in her face. And so Abigail brings up the fact that Madeline cheated on her stepdad last year. Cheated on Ed. Ed overhears. Talking about them talking about the theater director and, and he walks out Comes back in a bit to talk to Madeline She's kind of begging him you know, Suggesting therapy He says it's nothing to do with him But it's, you could tell he's sad It's not even about the cheating It's really just about everything He's sad about all the The big little lies right Not The fact that he's not been told about Ziggy The cheating, the lying, the year of deception Abigail knows Before him, his own stepdaughter knows That he was made a fool of It's gotta hurt He says, what's us? We're done Another interaction with Bonnie and her mom We Gets a little confrontational And Bonnie asks her mom to go And what this episode was a lot about Was parents and kids Madeline and Ed And the interactions and everything That happened with Abigail and Chloe And both of the secrets that they ended up Spilling to Ed on accident Jane having to tell Ziggy About this huge incident That happened, his father and how He raped and assaulted her Celeste having to Mention to her the boys that they have a, a, a brother Their father had another kid who's in their class Even the interactions Of the step. Or the, the mother-in-law With Celeste and Mary Louise And then of course with Bonnie and her mom So so much with the parents And the kids in this episode Over the next few weeks Everything feels like It's unraveling The thing that I took notice from In watching the previews For next couple weeks was that The Mary Louise and the Detective interactions They seem like There's going to be a little something there They both can understand Seem to understand that there is more to that night Than what they've been told Folks before we close things out with a little WWE talk If you can One quick favor to ask Head on over to iTunes Subscribe and just stamp that little 5 star iTunes Apple Podcast Just give a little 5 star rating That helps so much It's a really big deal If you get the opportunity to do so You can subscribe on YouTube 
SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Google Podcast. We are all over. So if you have all of those apps, just go subscribe. It helps. It does a big favor for me. Uh, makes our numbers go up. And it, what it does is more people see the show. We can continue to share it around and more people know about that's what G said. WWE stomping grounds to close things out. Pay-per-view this weekend on Sunday will likely be on the kickoff show, the Cruiserweight title match. Tony Nese, Akira Tozawa, and Drew Gulak. Gotta be honest, I haven't been paying as much attention to 205 Live recently. I do like Chad Gable and the new haircut. But uh, I expect Tony Nese to, uh, to win this one. And maybe we'll see a push for Chad Gable coming up soon and get him in the mix. Tag team titles on the SmackDown side. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. I do like Heavy Machinery a little bit. Um, I don't know if they're going to win this match. I think it's good for them just to be in the ring with Daniel Bryan. But they're fun. They're a tag team. They remind me of like a late 80s, early 90s tag team. A couple big guys. Otis does the caterpillar, like the worm type thing. He is going to be... uh, Someone that's employed in WWE, I feel like, for a, a, a long time because he has a distinct look, he has a good personality, and he's the type of guy that I feel like Vince will really push. I like seeing them in the ring, and I like with the with Daniel Bryan, and I like the fact that they're not all comedy as much anymore. They're giving them a little bit more of um, a serious push in the ring. So you can you can be funny, but you just got to be able to show that when the comedy goes down, you can go in the ring too, because all the best performers can do both. And hopefully we can see Heavy Machinery and uh, D. Brian Rowan have a nice little tag title match there. I th- I still am going to go with D. Brian Rowan retaining that one. Tag match Biggie and Xavier versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I love what's going on with Sami lately. I love his promos. He's great in the ring, but he never wins a match every time. Even when they reinvent his characters, he never wins. He's got to get some wins sometime. Maybe this is the spot where he gets a win back, but uh, I'll predict KO and Sammy and hope that that this is maybe to keep the feud going or maybe to get one of them back involved with Kofi. Samoa Joe versus Ricochet for the U.S. title. Samoa Joe is one of the few who can lose and he can still come off as a badass, but they, they just don't ever feel like they're really getting behind him. This is a good moment for Ricochet. He's strung together some wins. He has a little bit of momentum after maybe a couple months of a lull. I think this would be a good spot for Ricochet to win the U.S. title. Kofi Kingston versus Ziggler. WWE Championship Steel Cage match. Feels like Ziggler was just like a placeholder feud for Kofi. I don't think he's the guy they want to take the belt off Kofi. Generally, you can feel a little more momentum behind someone. I don't quite feel it with Dolph. So we'll go Kofi. This should be a really good match. These guys get you know, 15, 20 minutes in, in a steel cage. It should be great. They have good chemistry and they have a lot a, a long history. Roman Reigns and McIntyre. This is all kind of branching out from the Shane McMahon, Roman Reigns feud. Shane's kind of got his little posse now with, uh, not the Mean Street posse, but Drew McIntyre and the Revival. The backstage segments they've had. They're not bad. Shane's not a bad heel. He's not because you don't like him now And he's he's all over the place You're seeing a little too much of him They're doing a good job of making you not like him Should be Roman Reigns, McIntyre Reigns is probably going to win this He just recently lost to Shane 
From a feud standpoint, it would be better if Drew Mack won this to keep it going forward, but I this has got to be Roman Reigns winning this match. And then uh and then we'll probably get another match with Roman versus Shane coming up soon where he can just kind of crush Shane and get his win back. A couple women's matches. First for the SmackDown women's title, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. The Alexa Bliss Nikki Cross stuff is good. I like I like Nikki Cross. Alexa is a really good performer. Whether or not she's as good as Sasha and Becky and Charlotte in the ring, Alexa is a very good and and as good as any of them on the mic and in the performing side, the acting side, and just the the storylines. I like everything that's going on with with Nikki Cross and with Alexa. There's a lot of ways that can go. The very obvious Alexa turns on Nikki and Nikki's the the face, or you know, they can just stay a team for a while. They can Nikki can turn heel, whatever whatever they want to do. There's a lot of options. I like it. And then you have Becky versus Lacey. Re- Becky's really cooled off uh, with Ronda being gone, and you know, in the last six eight months or so. If you look through everyone, honestly, nobody's really hot right now. Right, everyone's kind of cool. It's Becky versus Lacey for the Raw Women's title. I don't think Lacey's quite ready enough. They like her a lot, but I still... She just doesn't feel like she's ready yet to beat Becky. Maybe they do it in a cheap way. Somebody interferes. But Becky, I still think, is going to hold that Raw Women's title for a little longer. And then Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin for the Universal title with the special guest referee. They've been teasing all week. Special guest referees. Anyone who has been... Talking to Baron Corbin about being a special guest referee Seth Rollins has been beating with a chair Mercilessly I, I like the tough Seth I like Seth I This feud hasn't done him a whole lot Because Baron Corbin's not really a hot character But he gets booed and he gets a lot of heat And I lo- I'm higher on Baron Corbin than most Because he's a big guy I think he's good in the ring He's good on the mic He just doesn't really feel like quite the main event tip top But you know 15-20 years ago He would have been Huge, even longer than that. Like a guy to to match up against Hulk Hogan with his size, he would have been a great heel lined up against uh, Hogan. Will we get Brock as the referee? Remember, Brock has the Money in the Bank briefcase now. If he's the special guest referee, he could beat up Rollins, cash the briefcase in, and win. I also saw some talk about Becky getting involved. I think that was on Sam Roberts and Wade uh, Wade Keller talking about. Maybe Becky gets involved because Becky is dating Seth Rollins. They make Becky be the referee if Brock cashes in, and then Becky has to count the one, two, three on Seth because she's not the type that cheats, really. Maybe we'll see. I, I would like either of those wrinkles. WWE Stomping Grounds on Sunday. If you're watching the pay per view, I'll be watching on, and I'll be. I'm usually on Twitter during the shows. If, most of the time, I'm I'm watching them live, so. If that's the case, let's go back and forth. Let me know which matches you like, what your what your thoughts are on the show. You can always follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Get on over to Facebook or also over to Instagram. Gotta start building those Instagram followers up. G Bacola on Instagram, if you can. Appreciate you tuning in, folks. Good luck in the races. Enjoy WWE Stomping Grounds. And I'll talk to you next week. Don't forget. Couple of the great sponsors here on That's What G Said. Get to CindyCarava.com. Also, get to StableDuel.com. Get involved in that fantasy horse racing.